1: Two, three, four, five. I'm gonna cook a meal that's gonna make you a I'm
0: turning up the oven now, we're ready to roast. When you just be honey,
2: you're loving the most. Come on and put me in a loving shoe. Welcome to the Victor's Podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is actor and neighbor, Nicholas
3: Clark. Hello, mate, how are you doing?
2: I'm all right, I'm all right. Um, Thank you for doing it on Zoom. I know the temptation, and I should say for the listener, uh, we live about four streets away in reality. <laughs> yeah, um, We live in Leighton, but, you know, in this day and age of, of Omicron and stuff, it just is a lot easier and safer to uh, to not risk that one for a biscuit and uh, do the podcast like I would do if I was talking to you in LA.
3: Yeah, that's true. I mean, we live our lives through these tiny little windows now, don't
2: we? We do. Even more tiny now shared screen. <laughs> So we've not come here to talk about yours and mine logistics. Uh, We're here Mm -hmm. to talk about a film that you star in called Fixed, directed by Jez Olsop and written by Ryan Davis. Uh, Before we go into any details about that, do you want to give the listener a brief synopsis to what Fixed is about?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I play the guy called Daz Clements, who is a low-time criminal um, in Birmingham who is trying to um, escape the lifestyle that he's created. Um, And he... It's uh, kind of a one-location crime thriller. Um, so quite early on, you see, he gets caught, um, you know, in be, do with his misdemeanors, and then he gets locked in a room, and um, and the the main guy is coming to to sort him out, basically. And yeah. it's a kind of like a fight against time, and a fight to fix his life, and a um, it, it's a sort of like um, oh, what's the word? So it's um, yeah, yeah. It's just like that's his journey to, to get. Yeah, out he's got he's yeah. got
2: somewhere to be, but he's also yeah. got another part of his life which is nothing to do with being a criminal, which creeps up on him while he's in the dilemma of trying to elope to a foreign country. Yes,
3: yes. Indeed. Yeah, he's trying to get trying to get to Spain. That kind of old attitude. He's trying to get yeah. to
2: Spain, but there's also there's other parts of his life that he needs to fix, and that becomes a thing to fix while trapped in a cupboard in a warehouse.
3: Yes, that is exactly it. Well done, Stuart. Yeah, thank you.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, it's very good. And you are the leading man in Fixed.
3: Yes. So uh, that must. Yeah. So
2: congratulations on that front. You must have been really excited to get a role like that.
3: I was. Uh, yeah, I was incredibly excited. Yes, um, I'd worked with Ryan and Jez before on a short in mm. uh, 2018. Um, and, and it was great to kind of like be reconnected with them again and do something on a much larger scale. So yeah, it was great.
2: Cool, cool. That's nice. Um, so, what we're going to do is we're gonna we're gonna look back on your experience of making the film using my fantastic five times five minutes format. Yeah. Which, uh, for those that haven't, and for your benefit again, Nick, is Nick has been very kind enough to give me five agenda items for us to tackle, and we'll be doing that against the clock. And every time, and for the listener, every time that um, we uh, we reach the end of five minutes you will hear. Now, I'm not a fascist, and we won't be holding him to that time completely, but it does give us a chance to, um, to make sure we cover all the ground that we've, that, that Nick has given me to cover, uh, rather than one for five minutes and then four for, sorry, one for 20 minutes and then four for five minutes. So it's just a little jeopardy to the show, but that's the way it's going to work. That sound all right, Nick?
3: That sounds good to me, mate.
2: Before I do before we do go into this, let's tell people how can they watch fixed?
3: So yeah, we um you can watch it in this country on um all good streaming sites. So Amazon Prime, Sky Store, um Google Blocks, Google Play, sorry, um, iTunes. And it's just been released in the US of the 25th of January. And it can be congratulations found the there. over there. Thank you. Yeah. And I and I believe it's been sold to Poland as well, but I don't think it's available in Poland at the moment.
2: Okay, cool. So let's start then. Um, I'm going to start the clock on the first go, and your first item is shooting during lockdown. Birmingham was in tier three, and you had one location.
3: Yes, so um, this film was shot in late, dis- like November, December 2020, which was um, kind of like at the one of the peaks of the um, the lockdowns we were in.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We cancelled Christmas, didn't we?
3: Yeah, well, the so basically, the we finished on the December 18th. we have done a four-week shoot. Um, we finished on the December the 18th. And then that Saturday, December the 19th, that's when Boris basically cancelled Christmas and, and it all went, you know, it, it was all like apocalypse, wasn't it? You know, like everyone had to stay in. It was, with a pure bit of luck, we've managed to lock in the film the day before. If, if we had another week, we wouldn't have been able to carry on shooting, I don't think. Um, so yeah, very lucky about that. So
2: what were I mean, obviously the lockdown was happening anyway, not as strict as that, but there still were restrictions. So how did that compared to compared to normal shoots, how did it, how did it differ?
3: So um obviously you had to um follow uh, kind of COVID protocols, we had to sort of be tested, we had to mask up, we um The great thing about the shoot, it was um, with it being one location, and a lot of it me spent inside a room. Mm. So the 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 circles were very small with the kind of filming crew. So a lot of time it would be me, Gary the cameraman, and Wayne the sound guy, Mm. and then everyone else would be outside of that set. So um, you know, we just had to kind of be aware of all that kind of bubbles and. um, But but also
2: it was it was that's the that's pre pre pre-vaccination isn't it so nobody so everybody's at risk of the potential of whatever covid might do the worst it's not like just like now you and i can be wary of omicron and be boosted and vaxxed and stuff and then the from what the sounds of things obviously it's still very dangerous but from the sounds of things it's it's kind of up there with a bad cold with the help of the vaccine and the booster but obviously there was real danger there wasn't there? i suppose yeah i mean it
3: was it was of a risk um and you and we had to take the, the measures that were kind of um laid out for us by the government and by the medical experts um but yeah i suppose it was an element of like you know it can it could still be present mm. um but i think people wanted to kind of you know i think people were were desperate to work obviously because mm-hmm. uh our industry got massively hit during the last couple of years mm. and um yeah i mean it, but, luckily, but also you know, thinking about like
2: usually the logic for low budget filmmaking is you know just for just for keeping costs down generally not for nothing to do with covid is you know fewest locations possible fewest yeah. actors possible and well and, yeah. and for a covid shoot that's actually quite good advice anyway isn't it because the, the less yeah, moving I mean, around you do the less people you've got the less risk you invite don't you
3: Yeah I think like I think that was kind of the idea with Ryan when he wrote it was kind of have it's like quite a contained thriller anyway because it would be a low budget indie film Um, but it kind of actually played into the hands of the like you said with the Covid protocols and it kind of went hand in hand Um, but yeah so Birmingham was in tier three so I basically used to get driven to set from my hotel and then we would do a full day, like half eight in the morning until half seven, eight o'clock at night, and yeah. then I'd get them back to the hotel, and then that was it. You know, you just sit in your room. I'd have a, I'd have a shower for about half an hour because it was freezing cold. Hmm. Um, the, the location, and, and I was always covered in blood and stuff, so I'd have a shower, wash it off, warming up, and then I'd literally get into bed, look at my lines for the next day, and then do it all again.
2: So, and um, what's the advice there then that you weren't allowed to sort of go and go and mingle in the hotel? There's nothing
3: you? open. There was no pubs. There was no you could you could order food in, but you couldn't you couldn't even sit in a restaurant or anything like that. So, it was like London was still tier two at the time. But, oh, no, I see. Was right.
2: Three. Okay.
3: Yeah, but Birmingham was tier three. So it, it was just like sometimes I'd have a little walk around the streets, just looking for like a Chinese takeaway or something. But it was it was ghost town. It was proper ghost town. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: That must have been. Uh, I mean, yeah. How long was the shoot for? And we did four weeks. You did four, did four weeks, weeks of that, kind of like, almost like, um, what do you call it, like like ground Yeah, up Monday day. Friday,
3: I went back to London. Yeah, it was a bit like Groundhog Day, yeah. But, um, you know, it was, but what was good was that we, we could focus on the work, kind of like, because it was full days, like I said, like 8.30 till 8 o'clock. So, you know, I wasn't, there wasn't really much time to do anything else anyway.
2: No. Um, did you have people on set with responsibilities directly for COVID? Was there anybody who had that responsibility, like?
3: Yeah, okay. so there was there was a couple of yeah, people that kind of like go around and we'd do the testing and then we'd go around and take temperatures and they'd make sure that we were masked.
2: And... Oh, first five minutes up. We yeah, brightness,
3: doesn't it? It does, it does.
2: <laughs> right then, moving swiftly along, and you've already hinted at this. So your 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 working hours were 8:30 to seven thirty eight 8 o'clock. So that's a long day in a warehouse. I'm guessing the warehouse wasn't centrally heated. Um, so talk to us about as an actor. And as a person, obviously. Um, dealing with the conditions on set, the cold
3: floods. What were, was was there a flood? Well, yes, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I made it sound quite biblical like that, didn't I? The cold <laughs> the floods. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You the, missed off locusts. locusts. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we had an incredible location. It was the Lampwork Studios in um Jewelry Corps in Birmingham. I know it well. You
2: do you? I studied in Birmingham.
3: Oh, right, okay. Yes. Yeah, so it was um it was brilliant because we had the kind of like the run of the building for the four weeks. Excellent. Um And I mm-hmm. mean, um, we, we most of it was contained to this room and kind of like just outside the room in the film. But obviously, we could um, use um, we could use sort of like the rest of the, the thing. But it was it was very it was very cold in the bit that where we were shooting. Mm. And um, I was spent a lot. I spent a lot of the film rolling around on a concrete floor, kind of dripping in blood. Mm. I don't think that gives away too much of the film. No, That's no, at all. But, um, yeah, so, you know, and here's the director, decided, like, a day before the shoot that um, I was going to be wearing one shoe through the... It just would be funny if Daz loses a shoe in, in the scuffle at the beginning. Mm. So um, the first day of shooting, I, I kind of never... I didn't really realise how cold it was going to be, so I just had one sock on, and I didn't have any slippers or anything like that, so... I got very my foot got very cold, and then as we went on for the shoot, I think by the end I had about five socks on that <laughs> shoe, and, and, uh, and I was constantly flicking my slipper at Paul Wayne, the sound guy in the corner, just before um, before action was called, so that I could, uh, you know, stop my toes from falling off. Basically, <laughs> so
2: you were literally wearing a slipper right up until action was called, and then kicking it yeah. away.
3: I would kick it flick it away and then he would sort it out and then as soon as cut was it he'd throw it back at me and I'd put it back on um but yeah it was it was fun I mean it kind of as an as an actor it kind of it enhances your relationship with the with the location with the room with the set um and it, and and also means you don't have to kind of act being uncomfortable a lot of the time
2: <laughs> yeah I was going to say it's a bit like having to run somewhere isn't it as an action it's like that is going to going you have to exert energy don't you so
3: yeah, yeah, your body, no, your body trying like, to stay
2: warm. There's a sense. There's a sense of being in there when you're cold.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's sort of like the sort of na- natural instinct takes over, doesn't it? But um, yeah, we mentioned the floods. We did um, a couple of times. It rained really bad, and it just sort of the water. The drains got blocked, and then the water came up. And um, the sets were purposely built. The room was purposely built by a guy called um, Nathaniel Hannah. And um, yeah, we, we just it was all like hands to the pump we were getting all the mops we were having to like basically stop the water from like ruining the set basically it was added a bit of element of excitement to a couple of the days um you know sort of like i say it was all hands on all hands to the pump and we um managed to stave it off in the end
2: so what so the flood was almost encroaching on your set it was going into the set. It was going
3: into the room. Yeah, so it was crouching on sort of like the the wooden wooden structures that. Were oh wow! So wood, it could have, could have destroyed yeah. destroyed
2: the set you'd built.
3: It could have destroyed the set. Yeah, so there was a there was a moment of panic, um, but we just um, quickly like mopping it out, sweeping it out, and managed to kind of get it under control. But the rain, I think, like for that two hours was was immense.
2: Now, now five socks aside and a slipper, is there? Is did you find like a way of sort of making the cold work for yourself or was there, was there a a kind of a trade-off that you and the director were prepared to do? Like you'd need to have a break every so often to warm up properly and things like that. How did you, how did you properly manage being cold?
3: Yeah. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a conversation. I do remember there was one time we were trying to get um, a certain shot, um, a certain shot of dad's falling. And I I think, I think there was one, I think he just realized that I was just physically shivering because we'd been trying to get this shot on a jib for ages and, um, uh, it, you, know, you know, when you've got like them kind of technical shots, sometimes it can just take ages to sort of have the little kind of corrections and stuff. Mm. And then I think, you know, they looked at me and at one point I was just physically uncontrollably shaking and they were like, right, okay, we need to go upstairs and sit next to a radiator for a bit.
2: That's, it's interesting, yeah, because those, those, the, the more technical stuff is where the, slight, the slightest variant goes wrong. You have to do it again. It's not like a, a wide or a medium shot where it's about... What performance is in camera?
3: No, I mean, yeah, that, that the jib was it was um, it was giving them quite a bit of difficulty, and I, I mean, it was a bit above my pay grade. I was just sort of waiting to be shot, but um, <laughs> there was a lot of, a lot of um, sort of like fraught faces when I looked around.
2: Moving on to three, now your character yeah. gets not only there's the real challenge of uh, you, 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 and your character facing up to the cold, but. Um, in the setup, and again, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, because it's all part—it's all part of why you're in the cupboard. You in, you incur a knife, a serious knife wound. That's that's, yeah. that's one of you, which is just added to the list of problems that your character has. Um, yeah. So, and that is where you know that's where you earn your money as an actor. Obviously, you've got the, there's got to be that, that kind of presence of um, of of mind that you you are a man with a stab wound while you're doing everything else. So yeah. what 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 did you do about exploring the physicality of that wound?
3: So, I mean, d- during the film, d- like, he, he's constantly having to refer to it or deal with it, as you would, because, you know, he's, you've been stabbed and you're bleeding out. So you will see through the film how, like, he sort of tries to um, remedy it. Um, so the, we're, it basically... There were certain things in films like wrapping himself in cling film, constantly having like tissue, you know, like and and like I say, like being in that room and and. We should and probably experience. say not
2: cling film. I mean, it's a warehouse. It's 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 a thing in it cling wrap what you put around pallets.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. I've I've been calling it cling film for the last year, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's 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 not cling film. Shrink it's wrap, not to, shrink wrap, it's wrap. Not put over some sandwiches, is it? Yeah, shrink yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. It's rolled in boxes um, on pallets.
3: So, you, so a lot of the time, I was kind of like wrapped in that, and um, I was constantly getting um, Chloe Baylis, the makeup artist. She was constantly coming in and sort of touching up the blood and, and and being very aware of the wound. And she'd done some beautiful prosthetics for it to make mm. it look so realistic. So um, she was kind of like that was her baby. She was really proud of it. What,
2: what was the yeah. setup time for that then? Every day when you when you when you're obviously on camera for that. Well, the, the, when, for the
3: days that we really concentrated on the prosthetic, I think it took about half an hour to kind of get it fully on. Mm. Um, but then there were times. There were a lot of the other times when I'm wrapped up. Um, we obviously wouldn't put the prosthetic on underneath because you wouldn't see it on camera. Of course, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, but but there was still you needed to kind of like put on the fake blood and then. Check with continuity from what we shot before. How bloody was it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's quite. It's, it's quite. Um, I, I, I mean, I've always the, wondered this.
2: How do you act like you're hurt when you're not hurt? Like I mean, I know you're an actor, and that's your job. Like, but, but <laughs> if I'm, if i like I, I was recently doing some DIY, and I literally took the end of my finger off, and yeah. it, and it, and it hurt, and there was blood everywhere, yeah. and it was inescapable. But it was just yeah. like you know, I nicked the top of my finger. And it was not like a knife wound in my stomach. Now, obviously, you can yeah. look down at the prosthetic stuff and go, yes, I can see I've got a wound, but your yeah. brain isn't going ow, ow, ow. So how do you, how do you balance that? And where do you, what do you draw on even?
3: Um, Yeah, I don't know because I've never, I've never been stabbed in real life. Right. Um, I, I, I suppose you just, I, I just, I don't know, I said it's going it to sound really simple, but I just kind of imagined what it would feel like <laughs> and, and then <laughs> played, played that kind of, Um, You know, we did talk about it. We talked about how like, um, you know, you are bleeding out and how like it would be starting to get infected and then you'd start sort of like, a bit. there's a bit of delirium that comes in. Um, So we did sort of talk about the process of the wound. But
0: uh, yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: Hey y'all, Ferris Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music?
3: Imagined that there was kind of this impairment there, and I had to kind of deal with it. Um, and, I, and that sounds so basic. I'm sorry. No, no, at to... all.
2: No, I mean, look, if it's simple, then, then then stick to simple. There's no need to complicate it. Yeah. Um, I think for any actor listening, that's good news. Um, to be honest with you, because I, I think if you've got oh, to be yeah, really, I mean, I... if you've got to be really stabbed to know what being stabbed's like, that's a bit of a journey,
3: isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure De Niro would have gone down that path in the '70s. But, um. Um, now, obviously, to get
2: that wound and and constantly throw out of it, you get a right old duffin, um, to say the least. Yeah. And so, yeah. how how do you what what's what's your method there? Because obviously, there's 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 one there's moments where there's a gang of them beat you up. There's there's one on ones, and obviously, your character isn't in a position at all, really, to fight back either. It's a very it's a very passive um. position to be in in your character's shoes.
3: That's it. I think like Daz is kind of like, sort of like dealing with these these guys, these that live in this world. But he's really not that character that can kind of survive in that world, mm. as in like can't throw his weight around and stuff. So yeah, he does take a beating, in which, but I quite enjoyed it to be honest. Um, Philip uh, Tommy, Philip Ray Tommy, who was in the film, and he's also like the fight coordinator. He um, he just spent a lot of time with me, like how to how to kind of like sell the hits and sell the the, the fighting um it was i, I really enjoyed it because i've i've done quite a bit of filming in my career but i've never really kind of had that that physicality that experience that fight kind of experience so it was it was fun um yeah and he really kind of took his care and kind of plotted it out and, and he sort of made it look as as realistic as it is
2: so so it's, so it's very much for you it's like learning a dance as much as it is, yeah, the
3: yeah, It was a choreography, yeah, yeah. It was just um, a lot of getting pulled around on a concrete floor. But,
2: I was going to so. say, I mean, how do you? I mean, just well, just as one last thought on that. So, how, I mean, presumably you still end up getting bumps and bruises. You can't fall lightly on it that fall that lightly on a concrete floor.
3: Can you, you? You, you do, but um, Phil's got some great kind of equipment that helps with that. Especially one of the best thing was I've never seen it before. It's like a t- turtle shell. So you put it on underneath your shirt. Yeah and it's got a hard back and um yeah, so whenever you whenever I fell, I just sort of would fall towards my back or if they're pulling me about and you just can feel thing, basically.
2: Oh brilliant, that's amazing. Yeah,
3: so, yeah, it's, it's sort of like a quite it's not not prominent, but it's just sort of um,
2: No, it makes sense because also it gives you that role and it's gonna obviously yeah. it absorbs the impact, doesn't it? I suppose is it's true. Yeah, and then and
3: there's quite like they can grab you by the feet, they can just sort they can throw you, they can just drag you about, but um you don't really feel anything. There
2: must there's a lot of trust there as well, then isn't there, I suppose, in that in that element. There is, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. I did only get once. Dean, Dean, who plays out, the, the main guy. There was, there was only once that he, uh, he, he, he properly kicked me. But he was very nice. He apologised.
2: Is that <laughs> like, 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 um, like they do, like, like they always say they show in like drama when there's S and M. Is there a safe word when you when you're fighting like fucking? I'm hurting <laughs>
3: <laughs> No, but there should
0: be.
2: Here's the question: that I probably, if any actors have tuned in for this one, this will be the one that they want to know most about. Um. How you got the part? Do you want to talk us through? You've already mentioned in the start that you've done a short film with Jez and Ryan before, but yes. Do you want to talk us through the audition process?
3: Yeah, lovely. Yeah. So I um I, like I said, I've known Ryan. I've known Ryan for years. He, he's friends with my wife. And then we did the film in 2018. Anyway, I saw him on Twitter they put out a call out for this film. And um I was like, oh, I would like so I just I text Ryan straight away and I said, look, if anything's suitable for me, then you know I'd be um well up for it. And he said, yeah, cool, I think we've got this uh, part for you. And it was for Niall, who's one of the guys that is chasing Daz down for money. So um, obviously back there was no... They're in Birmingham, I was in London, everything's... Well, everything's self taped now anyway. There's no face-to-face positions at the moment. So I taped for Niall and um, I thought I did quite a good tape. And then Jez uh, contacted me about three days later and he said, look, I'd love you to read for Daz... Um, would you take for a place? So I got, I think... Did your heart
2: flutter then at that point? You're going, oh my God, this is the lead.
3: Well, yeah, but it was kind of, I didn't really, I didn't realise, because I hadn't read, like we just read the sides and stuff. I hadn't Ah, hadn't read the whole screenplay. So I didn't realise kind of how big a role it was. But um, I was like, yeah, great. So I taped for that. um, And it was a really good scene to do. It's like when he's talking to his ex-wife, Deb. So it was a really meaty scene. And then... um, yeah, luckily got given a part. Yeah, so I mean, it's very rare that that happens that you kind of go for a um, for one part and then get a much bigger part. But it was a it was a joyful joyful moment. And what what tips have you? What
2: tips would you give for someone self taping?
3: Oh well, just um, i basically now, and and this is a bit of a shame, really. But it's, you need to kind of get your equipment sort of quite sorted, really. Like have a good tripod, have a good camera. Hmm. Um, I just bought a ring light. Um, I'm one of those actors now that has like got a ring light behind it. Well, if every
2: if every live stream has got one, why won't an actor have one?
3: Yeah, I know. I got one for Christmas of my wife. My theory is like just don't don't like do it hundreds and hundreds of times. I know with the with self-tape, you obviously can be sort of hypercritical because you can yeah. you can do it at a time. Where in a face to face you obviously get one or two goes. But I think that like if you I think really you're gonna do your best take in a sort of like the first four. Four or right. five, maybe. Um, otherwise, it kind of like... I mean, this isn't 100% and this isn't concrete. No,
2: so. no, look, it's only your lessons learned. You're only your opinion. And <laughs> we're not, we're, we're not writing that, down yeah. the law here, Nick. Don't worry. I yeah, just, yeah just, I just
3: think, like, if you, the more and more you do it, I, I, I think, like, you, you just sort of kind of get into a groove anyway. So, you know, it's not really going to change that much anyway, do you know what I mean? So Yeah, well, the pursuit, um, the pursuit of
2: perfection of anything is never going to lead you to good, you know, in, in no. some senses, because part of the energy is is in is in the mistakes and how you pick them up and that's going to show your acting and your character into i suppose
3: and you know i mean it's like any it's self-tape is like any audition it's kind of like you've got to just do the best you can um and and sort of like then send it off and then hopefully try and forget about it (laughs) and until you hear anything or not hear anything there's
2: nothing there's nothing else you can do once you've sent it is there I mean, is that? I mean, essentially, you say there about you know getting you know a, a, well look a decent iPhone is four K now in it and things like that. So so there's not like you're not like you need mega equipment. You just need to make sure you're using reasonably up to date equipment that, that you might. No, have. Yeah, you're probably right.
3: Actually, you're probably right. Actually, like that's probably a bit of a steer on that. No,
2: no, but that still is. Not everyone's got an up to date iPhone. I certainly haven't. But but you know, it's like it's you've got it to hand. But like then then thinking about the lighting, you know, is also quite useful because like. If I turn my light off in this room, this Zoom call will suddenly become very strange because you'll be talking to a silhouette. And obviously, if you try to self-tape in bad light, you're not really showing yourself to have a clue of what you're doing, as much as your performance, but also the idea of the relationship between the camera and the actor.
3: And I, I was very lucky. I got a friend who lives um, not where, in between us, basically right in between us, and he helps he helps me out with self tape sometimes, reading against me. So I'm lucky in that sense. But there's a lot of times when you don't have that time to kind of meet up with someone so i've done self-tapes where my 10 year old my son he, he reads against me and stuff like that um you know it's quite as you know the self-taping is it's great for some people especially people outside london and they can't you know i'm able to get in but sometimes it can be a stress as well because you've got to get, get all everything in and if, sometimes you've only got a day to turn it around as well you know it's, it can be quite stressful once you get it in <laughs>
2: And just, just one last thing then on that. So is is a is a day turnaround quite an ask then for a if you're given like three pages? How many? I mean, how, how much would you get to read ordinarily?
3: I mean, about a page and a half, maybe two pages. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not it's not it's not the actual like doing the tape. It's you know like like I said, I've got kids. So say I get the tape in the day, and then and then sometimes I have to do the tape once I've gone to bed. It's I think if you've got if you were to sit at home and you've got all day to kind of concentrate on a the tape, then a day isn't is, is more than enough. But you know, there's life outside that as well, isn't there? Yeah, and people are going to go and,
2: life and, life gets in the way. Yeah, it's like you know, you
3: can get it and they're going, Great, but yeah, life gets in the way. You know, I've got I've got to take the kids swimming and then I've got to feed them and then I've got to get into bed and then I've got to go and do the tape. You know, that's kind of it's kind of that thing.
2: Right then. The one thing I know is, I don't want to come I don't want to come across as a
3: moniactor. i No, I'm, no, like, no,
2: I don't think it comes across <laughs> as that at all. No, I think it's it's reasonable. I, it's me it was more mean not, not being an actor, having no idea what, what is enough time and what's not, because I think it's the same with, um you know, you've got three weeks to send something in or you've got a day to send something in as a writer. You're kind of like, well, which, which would I prefer? Because in a way, three weeks I could spend driving myself mad, whereas there's yeah. only so much I can do in a day. So you can kind of, you know, there's always, more time doesn't always mean better. Um, yeah.
3: And that sense. pressure sometimes, you know, it, it, it creates... A better work, doesn't it? Exactly, no.
2: exactly. Nothing like a deadline, uh, as they say. Yeah, right. Then one of the main reasons for um, for wanting to talk to you and knowing you for as long as I have is that you obviously were the lead role in this. So, do you want to talk us through from the moment you were cast as lead? What was the prep like? Because obviously, it's a big, it's a big step forward for you and important because obviously it's a chance to make your mark because you're the person everyone's going to see when they see this yes. film. So, what was the yeah. what was the prep period like for you once you've been once you've been cast?
3: So, um, yeah, there's, um, I think I'd been cast sort of like a month before we started shooting. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I, like I said, I got the phone call and um, for about an hour I was, I was extremely happy. I was elated, rang my wife. Um, and then after that hour, I was like, oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm the lead in this film. And yeah. 90% of the film is, is me kind of, and my struggle. Mm. So um, the realisation did kind of, like, come to me. So a few days later, I did, I rang Jez, and, uh, the director, and I just sort of, like, said, look, oh, I'm just a bit, um, not concerned, but I was like, oh, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Sort of just trying to, like, basically offload my worries to him. Um, and he was really good with me, and he just sort of said, look, we're going to all do this as a team, and um, we're going to make, basically... We're going to do it together. So um, the first week of filming, there was like, well, the first four days of filming, there was no other actors in. There was just me. And we did a lot of the scenes where he's in the room and a lot of the scenes where he's trying to find the remedies for the cut and he's trying to uh, work out the lock. And and so basically it was really great because I, he gave me time to build that relationship with the set, ah. with the room and with the worlds that I lived in um before kind of there was like any kind of meaty kind of like dialogue scenes or um or or kind of like the big action scenes they all kind of came later on but i i got i got a lot of time to kind of breathe in the space and and build that relationship which helped me immensely
2: yeah cuz your role is 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 not just not just that you're 90% on screen but actually emotionally and physically you've got a lot of you've got a lot of room to work haven't you because on the yeah. one hand there's the surface stuff which is Low-level criminal tries to pull one over people who he can't possibly beat and they catch him. And so therefore, yeah. there's a man trapped, and therefore he's trapped for doing a bad thing. But then there's all the other aspects of your life which are more emotional yeah. things to draw on, yeah. which if you've which if you're not nailed yeah, the character, you're kind of fighting, aren't you? You're fighting.
0: Then, yes. Because a lot of
2: your a lot of your then character growth beyond the you versus the other bad guys is you talking to somebody on a phone or talking to someone on a on a, on a screen. It isn't face to face with someone. So how did you manage that?
3: So yeah, I mean that was that was that kind of was difficult in the way it was done because a lot of the times when I shot my end, I obviously just had someone reading their bit from the other side. And then when the actors did come in, they filtered in through the four weeks. Um, we would do the same with them. They had to kind of like shoot their bit, and then I would read against them. Um, so that that was quite difficult in in some sense. But you know, I just trusted the writing, and I just trusted Ryan's words and kind of.
2: So hold on, just let's uh, go back a second there. Then. So when you were talking to your friend who's got the scooter, who's going to do the go to your lockup. Yeah. When you filmed the bit I'm watching you talk to the phone, you're probably talking to a black screen then, are you, at that point? I was talking to a black
3: screen, yeah. And I just had someone with a script on the other side of the wall reading the words, yeah. Oh, wow. And then he came in and did his bits, like he came in for, it was Nazario, he came in for like two or three days. Yeah. And then we filmed all his bits, and then I read against him. Yeah. So it was a bit disjointed, um, but it was the way, that's the way they did it, yeah.
2: But it makes sense, yeah. though, doesn't it? Because it technically, it's got the film's got to see the screen, and that's not the easiest thing to do exactly. on a camera, yeah, then, in real time. And then we had,
3: to, and then we had to kind of like do, we had to basically do do a lot of the shots just over my shoulder, filming um the phone with Nazaro on the other side, you know, right? So, yeah.
2: And then, so the phone yeah. calls then were they? Because obviously, the when it's just a phone call, that's a voice, and that's a voice we can hear, not a face we can see. Yeah um yeah was that done with the actor or was that done with a, with you acting with a person in the room that was
3: there was there was when bonnie came in who plays my girlfriend yeah she uh, they built a little studio just behind the other back of the wall so we actually got to do it like as a scene which was oh, really nice okay, was, okay. um so she had a microphone set up in sort of like big black curtains to kind of dampen the sound And then I was in the room, and that was almost like a a scene, but we couldn't see each other. But a a lot of the other ones were just, they they were kind of, a lot of the voices were put in afterwards. So I didn't hear the real voice until I saw the film.
2: Well, look, that leaves me, that's that's our five. So we'll we'll just, we'll have a finish off conversation. Let's remind people we've just, we've talked about shooting in lockdown, Birmingham tier three, dealing with the cold, exploring the physicalities of the wound and having fights with people. Uh, the audition process and the pressures, you know, it's sort of the be careful what you wish for, but then obviously working with people that understand you and, and want to help you achieve success being the lead as much as you want to achieve success as lead. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah,
3: everyone everyone on that team basically, you know, did everything they could to kind of help help me in that journey. So it was great. Fantastic.
2: Fantastic. So so just tell me then, when you, have, with, with, in bearing in mind what we just talked about there was so much of it that you couldn't have known what it might come across as. How how did it when you first watched it? How did it come across to you then? Like Daz's dilemma.
3: Well, when I, when I first watched the film, when yeah, the yeah, filming, yeah, when
2: you saw the finished film, what was it? What, what is?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was um, obviously immensely proud and um, and excited to see it, but um, when you're watching it, there's just there's just like that big knot in your stomach because I was just worried about that you know was was I going to be any good? I knew the film would be good, but was I going to be any good? And like I said earlier in the in the chat, because I was in it. 90 percent of the time i was you know i was worried <laughs> there was a there was a bit of um sort of sort of nervous tension well look basically.
2: i know i know adam driver never watches his films his own performances so you know i don't think you're yeah. alone in that kind of yeah that com- being comfortable or not comfortable with yourself even though it would seem odd to someone who doesn't act the idea you would put yourself in front of a camera and perform and
3: then not be sure because yeah. you can't can you because ultimately it's uh yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I did know when we finished the shoot, though, I did know that we'd done a good job, you know, so um, I was I was confident in that. So that was, that kind of allayed some of the fears, but there is always just sort of like that unknown, as it just sort of unfolds in front of your eyes. But no, I mean, the audience, the audience loved it that night, and it sort of seemed to, um, you know, it was picking up some traction with, with audiences, So, so immensely proud.
2: So let's remind people then, where can they see Fixed?
3: So yeah, it's on all good streaming sites: Amazon Prime, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Sky Store, and it's been released in America. Um, I think on Amazon, I'm not sure on, on, on just on all good streaming sites in America. I'm not sure what they've got over there.
2: And is there and before we go, then is there anything anything on the horizon you can tell us about?
3: I just got um, just got a couple of things. I'm doing some filming for a feature tomorrow called Sunray, and um, I've got a couple of other films that are kind of. I'm in talks with at the moment but just uh um to see to hopefully they'll they'll kind of like start development soon yeah. brilliant
2: brilliant well look congratulations on your first lead role in a feature film very proud of you in e10 very proud indeed and it just gives me to say thank you very much Gives you time to britflix podcast
3: yeah thank you Stu. thanks for having me on